0: When I was originally um, writing, planning out this sermon, we were going to do a whole ton of jumping around, and then so I told mom, because she does the bulletins, uh, not my note sheet, she doesn't do my note sheets for me, but she does the bulletins, and um, so I told her, don't put a scripture passage in, because I don't have one central one, and then on Friday, God was like, yeah, you do, here it is, and by then, the bulletins were printed and folded, and so were your notes, and I went, all right, fine, so if you'd like to write it in, your central scripture passage is 2 Timothy, I almost said 3 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17, there is no 3 Timothy, however, comma, if you are attempting to convince somebody that something is in the Bible that's not and you want it to sound like it comes from the New Testament, 3 Timothy is a good one to go to because most people will go, oh yeah. I know there's at least two. Maybe there's a third. Also, if you wanted to make it sound like it's from the Old Testament, go with Hezekiah. Why? Hezekiah was a person in the Old Testament, a fairly well-known person. You go, oh, yeah, he's probably one of those minor prophets that all end like that. Things you learn in Bible school. But, so we do have that central passage, it's up there, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17. One of these verses, two of them, really, most of you are going to know fairly well. You might even have them memorized, the very end of this passage of Scripture. And you might go, okay, Pastor, as we're reading this, you're going to go, okay, Pastor, I understand how those verses deal with how to study your Bible, because this is part one. Next week we'll take a week off from that as uh, Rick Bunkers here, and then the two weeks after that, so the twenty seventh and then the third will be here. And again, those Sundays, uh, those Sundays, make sure you bring your Bibles uh, and your questions and your your intuitive minds and such, because we're going to be breaking down two separate passages of Scripture um, and looking at all of that. How? Should you study your Bible, we'll have a whiteboard. It's going to be great. It's going to be so much fun. The November 3rd, sorry, I know I'm, I, I just completely stopped preaching and I'm giving you a rundown. That's all right. November 3rd, that last Sunday that we're doing this, um, there will be time afterward. I'm going to stay afterward. Uh, if you're like, I want a little bit more. I have more questions. I have this and that. We're going to do that then. If we're here till 12, we're here till 12. I'll stay um nobody has to but if you'd like to you are free to so that'll be on the 3rd so that's the last sunday that we're that we're doing this november 3rd back to today you're going to you might say pastor now i understand the last few of these verses dealing with how to study your bible or why you should study your bible because that's what we're looking at today why should you study your bible right that's probably important to go through before we actually look at how you do it um but remember when you're studying your bible Everything has to be taken in its context. This is the beginning paragraph for those verses, which means it's the immediate context of it. There's the immediate context of the surrounding verses, then there's the book, then there's the testament, then there's the whole Bible, the context all throughout that. But today, we're just looking at the immediate context for those verses. So we're going to read it, 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17. Let's look at it. Now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings. Such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however... Continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Here's the verses most of you are going to know. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. All right, let's dive into this. Why should you study your Bible? Number one, desire to live godly. Right down there in verse 12, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You should desire to live godly. Here's the thing. We can talk in the next three weeks all about How do you break down this book? How do you look at a verse? What's the Greek? What is this? Oh, uh, how does this uh, go back to something else that Paul said in a different letter, in a different part of the letter? But here's the thing. If you don't desire at all to live godly, none of it's going to matter. You could be the smartest person. You could be able to read this whole thing in the original Koine Greek, be able to break it down. But if you don't desire to live godly, you might as well not pick it up. It's kind of harsh to say because you're like, wow. But it's the truth. Now, here's the thing. I'm not saying that if you're not a Christian or if you have a friend who's not a Christian or something like that, you shouldn't use the Bible. I'm not saying that at all. Because the word of God does not return void. But what I'm saying is if you, as a Christian, have no desire. Remember last week? Was it last week we did the Bema Seat? Yeah, sorry, the weeks start to run together for me. If you are like, you know what? I'm all right with the straw. I'm all right if it all gets burned up. What are you doing trying to study this? Now, here's the other thing I'm going to say. There will be days, mornings, evenings, nights, afternoons, months, weeks, years, hopefully not years, but it could happen. Where you go, I really don't want to. You're right. Okay. Do it anyway in that moment. There's going to be moments, you know, I love, I, I, I like Newsboys and I love their, uh, their one song. Um, the beginning words to it are, uh, uh, turn the page, can't turn the light out. Every word, every line carries to my soul. There will be days when you just drink it and it's incredible to you and there's, oh, it's so amazing. And there's going to be days when you wake up in the morning and you go, dear God, don't make me open that thing. Maybe it's because you're living in sin. And you don't want the Bible to convict you. Maybe it's because you're just tired. And you're worn out and you're worn down. At that moment, you still got to open it. But if you desire to live godly, you got to know what this thing says. Because unlike in the Old Testament, and to a select few in the New Testament, God doesn't really show up in person anymore to talk to you. It's extremely rare. Why? Because he says... I had a whole bunch of authors from every walk of life write it all down for you so that you could have it 2,000 years later. So, if you want to live godly, you got to know what's going on here. You got to know what's going to happen. And here's the thing because it says it in there, we got to talk about it. If you want to live godly, you're going to be persecuted. Make no mistake. The more you dig into this thing, the more you read it, the more you study it, the more you devour it, the more our enemy will try to stop you through any means necessary. This is not something you do lightly. This is not something you just go, oh, yeah, I'm going to read my Bible. No, you need to know going into it, this is not an easy thing. This is not necessarily a fun thing. This is a thing where you're going to have moments where you are destroyed inside and sometimes on the outside. Take a look back through Acts and see what happens to Paul specifically. He he doesn't say what happens to him here, but he's like, look, what happened to me at Antioch and Iconium at Lystra. And these persecutions I endured. He's beaten with rods. He's whipped multiple times. He's stranded on an island, bitten by snakes. He's in shipwrecks. There's all kinds of stuff that happens to him. Because he desires to live godly. but here's the, And here's the last thing we're going to talk about on this. And out of all of them, I'm in verse 11, out of all of them, the Lord rescued me. I want to point something out. The Lord rescues those who want to live godly. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't mean you're not in the middle of it. Paul did not say, he stopped me from being shipwrecked. Paul did not say, he stopped me from being beaten. He did not say, he stopped me from being whipped. No, he said, he rescued me. This is the man that's lowered over a wall in a basket because the Lord rescues him. Here's the other thing. Sometimes the Lord rescuing you means he takes you home. That's the ultimate rescue. Now he leaves us here for a time, for whatever, whatever reason, whatever purpose he has for us, he leaves us here to fulfill that purpose. But the ultimate rescuing is going to be with him, whether through the rapture or through our death. That is what the ultimate rescue is. I will rescue you from it, but you got to wait a little longer. I will rescue you from it. But listen, you're going to be beaten. Here's the thing. I highly doubt anybody in this room will ever actually be beaten with rods, will ever be actually whipped with a cat of nine tails to an inch of their life, will be lowered over a wall in a basket to escape death. But maybe you're beaten with rods is you lose your job. Maybe you're you're being whipped is your friends leave you because you're too much into this God thing. Sometimes our persecution in this country, it doesn't look like a physical persecution because we've got it good here. A lot of times it's more mental persecution that we face. But realize that the Lord's going to rescue you out of it all in the end. He lets you go through it, but he rescues you out of it all. So if you want a desire to live godly, if you want to live godly at all, you want to do the right thing, you've got to know what the right thing is. So that was number one, desire to live godly. Number two, from bad to worse. From bad to worse. I'm in verse 13. But evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. The world's going to hell in a handbasket, and it's going pretty darn quick. And it's been going. Since the moment Adam and Eve decided they really liked the look of that apple. But here's the thing. The Bible says evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse. It's going to get worse before it gets better. You, however, continue in the things you have learned to become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and, what from chi- and that from childhood you have known the sacred, sacred writings. Here's the thing. Evil is going to go from bad to worse. You have one defense against it. It's God. You got to know what he says. How do you know when somebody comes into your midst and is giving false teaching? You got to know what right teaching is. How do you stand up to the evil man, the evil woman who is destroying you? You got to know what the right thing to do is. Nowhere in the Bible will you find it to say, will you find that it says, that's a better way to put that, will you find that it says, the, easy, the, the, the not the easy way, the good way, the right thing is the easy way. It's not in there. You won't find it. You could read that thing through multiple times. You could do that thing where you read through the Bible in a year. It's great. Gives you a good context to know the overall overarching story. You won't find that it says the easy way. What you'll find is that you've got to stand up to the evil men, to these imposters, and you've got to be like Christ before Pilate and remain silent. It means you got to stand up and go, I realize I'm going to get the snap beat out of me right now, but I can't fight back. Now, here's the thing. I am not talking about the military. I am not talking about joining and fighting our enemies overseas. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about right now in the moment when somebody, when your boss is screaming at your face and you've done nothing wrong, you've got to stand there and go, okay. When somebody whom you're supposed to trust is destroying you, you've got to be able to stand there and go, Okay. When you're betrayed by your friends, it means you've got to be able to stand there and go, okay. Because you're not called to do the easy thing. You're called to do the right thing. And if you've got to know what the right thing is, you've got to read it. You've got to know what the right thing is. Things are going to go from bad to worse. Let's take a look at our country. You can see it happening before your eyes. I'm not telling you not to pray for our leaders. In fact, you should. I'm not telling you not to vote for what you believe is right. You should. What I'm telling you, though, is don't be shocked when this world just continues to go downhill. Don't go, oh, man, why is this happening? It's happening because maybe if you read this and you see, oh, it says it's going to happen. I shouldn't be surprised. Hundreds of thousands of babies are killed every year before they even get a breath. Man, it's evil. Yep, it's going to get worse. Multiple states have passed laws where you can kill a baby that's born. It just got worse. It's going to go from bad, for, from bad to worse. What is your response? you got to know what it says. How do you respond to those people? How do you respond to those situations? You have to know what it says. Now, here's the great thing. Let's tie it all up. Number three. So number one was desire to live godly. Number two, from bad to worse. Number three, you've been equipped. You've been equipped. All scripture is inspired, or the way that I always learned it, is God-breathed. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Let me add this. It doesn't mean only men have to do this, ladies. You have to do it too. In the ancient languages, if there was one man, it all became one. Sorry. I didn't make language. If you pick up an NIV Bible from 1982 or later, it says man and women. So if you want that, go ahead. There you go. But here's the thing. How do you know how to live godly? How do you know how to stand up against these things that are going from bad to worse? You've got to know what this says all Scripture, not the parts that you like, not just the New Testament, not just the parts you can understand, all Scripture. You can't be like Thomas Jefferson and cut out the parts you don't like. That doesn't work. Because all Scripture is God-breathed or inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Elsewhere, Paul writes in Ephesians, you're in a war. You've got to put on armor. You've got to train. Ian's been away now for, uh, this will start week three, right? This week is starting week three. Before he left, he showed me he had a manual he had to memorize. And they were going to test him on it when he got there. This is your manual you're supposed to memorize. You don't get tested when you get to heaven. There's no SAT when you get up there, and you've got to sit down and go, oh, no, where is that scripture verse found? No, but you've got to be able to know what this says because you're going to face things in this life. You've got to know what it says because this world fights against it. I'm not saying you have to be the smartest person in the room. I'm not saying you have to be able to understand ancient languages of Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic. I'm not saying you have to be able to fully dive and, and parse out these random things. We're not going to go that deep in the following weeks. Why? I can't do it. I'm not expecting you to. But you got to be able to know, what does this thing say? What does it mean? What does it mean that all Scripture... What does it mean that it's good for training in righteousness? What does it mean that it's good for my correction and my reproof? What does it mean that I'm equipped now? What does it mean that I can be adequate and equipped for every good work? What are those good works? Well, you know what? Go look at what are the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, look at that. We just learned how to study your Bible because we connected two pieces. It's that. It can be that simple, it can be way deeper than that, but it can be just that simple where you go, oh, the Bible says this here, and it says this here, they connect. But you've got to know what it says before you can connect. Now here's the thing, right, all of I won't say all of us, because I don't know that for certain, I would say that at least most of us, and probably all of us, know the story of Jesus in the desert, right, when he's, he's tempted by the devil. What is his response to every temptation? Scripture. Does he give the reference? No. Because references are not God-breathed. Because when Timothy originally read this letter, there wasn't a chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4. And it wasn't broken down into verses. That's for us, to help us understand it. I'm not saying verses and chapters are bad. In fact, they're great. They help us a ton. But I'm here telling you, you don't have to know exactly where something is found at times. But you gotta know it's in there. And you gotta know what it says. Do you know how many times I go, oh, dang it, where is that verse? And I whip out this thing and I Google it. And there it is. And I go, I knew it was in there somewhere. Phones can be really bad. They can also be really good sometimes. You gotta know what it says, though. We're gonna spend the next couple of weeks after, uh, after Rick comes next week looking. How do you actually do it? We're going to break down some fairly familiar passages. Hopefully you'll see something that you didn't see, see before. Hopefully I'll see something that I hadn't seen before. Why? Because here's the thing. The Bible never says more than it says, but it does say more than you see. The Bible never says more than it says, but it does say more than you see. Why? I'm 25. I have certain life experiences like divorced parents, depression, struggles with sins that you guys don't struggle with. Okay, so I bring those things into my study of the Word of God, and it brings certain things to the forefront. Somebody else has different life experiences. They've dealt with different things, so they bring that into it. You will never not bring your own self into your study of Scripture. The key is to go, okay, I've brought myself. Now, though, what is the Bible actually saying, and how does it then affect me? Not, okay, I'm bringing myself into this Scripture verse. How can I make it say what I want it to say to make myself look good or feel good? But you're going to bring your own pre uh, your your own thoughts i had to be frank i've lived with my dad for 25 years i think like him so i see certain things in scripture like he does and then we'll be sitting around talking and mom will go well what about this and dad and i will go we didn't see that why because we're different we see things a little more practically she sees things a little bit more like an artist that's okay that's good because we need that and as we look In these next couple of weeks at these passages of scripture, all of you, each and every one of you is going to bring different life experiences, different thought processes, different ways of seeing things into it that's good. Don't feel ashamed of that because God gave them to you. Different verses can mean slightly different things to different people. The essence is the same but they mean something to me differently. The the verses, I'll give you an example. My life first, Psalm 51, 8. Make me to hear joy and gladness again. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Meant nothing to me until God snapped my ankle in half. Then they meant something to me because I understood those verses better. I won't say they meant nothing to me. They meant something, but not what they do now. Because I have a different way of seeing it now. We're going to look at how to study your Bible. We're going to dig into it. And I want to encourage you, bring it all. Bring all your baggage. Bring all your hurt. Bring all your joys. Bring all your life insight. Bring everything to the table. Because you're going to bring it to the table when you're studying your Bible on your own anyway. So bring it to the table and let's look at how is this good for my reproof, for my correction, for my training. Because it's all profitable. Every last bit of it, including numbers. Why do I say that? Because it's literally, the first half of it is a bunch of numbers. It's a census. How is that helpful to me? I don't know. Maybe we'll look at it. Maybe. But it's profitable. How do I know it's profitable? Because it's in there. Because God saw fit to put it in there. How do I know that the two letters to the church in Corinth that we don't have aren't profitable to me? He didn't put them in there. Maybe they say the exact same thing as the other ones, or maybe they're letters specifically to those churches that don't affect me today. I don't know. I don't know the answer to it. I know it's not profitable because it's not in there. Everything is. We're embarking on a journey now. You might say to yourself, man, we're just learning how to study our Bibles. Yeah, but we're embarking on a journey over these few weeks that is, to be frank, inviting pain, inviting persecution, But it's also inviting joy and knowledge and wisdom into you that you can't get anywhere else. I'm not talking from me. You can't get it anywhere else than in that book. So you're going to dive head in with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we can uh, uh, read and, and understand what you're saying. Help us as we study our Bibles individually and then as a group together as well. Help us to, yes, bring our own baggage and our own, our, our own thought processes to stuff, but in the end, to take out of it what you would have us take out. Help us to face the persecutions. Help us to face the, 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 the evil men and, and the evil imposters and everything that's going to go from bad to worse. Help us to face it all down and face it with you, knowing that you're going to rescue us and that you're saying, study it, study it, study it. I'm the one that's in control. I'll help you. And Father, I'm asking this lastly, that you would spend your, send your spirit. We can't understand anything that's in there without your spirit helping us. The Bible says that as well, that it's foolishness to those that don't have you. Don't let it be foolishness to us. Father, we praise you. It's in the name of your son we pray. Amen and amen.